This is Draco Malfoy and the Wheel of Hecate, part four of the Mirror of Isidaru series by Star Bridget. Chapter 22, Frankenstein. The Triwizard Cup fell from their hands as they hit the ground. Harry fell onto Draco, hands grasping at the silk of his shirt, slipping. What? What was that? Stop thinking, Draco whispered. Just kiss me. And Harry did with a moan, leaning forward and capturing Draco's mouth against his, with all the ferocity of a wild beast. Draco tried to pull them to their feet. Harry just pushed him back and licked inside his mouth. He had clearly never kissed anyone before. Draco slid his tongue along Harry's, trying to coax him slower to calm him. Harry moaned louder, hands sliding down Draco's body down to his hips. They pressed him backwards, leaning his weight against Draco, until Draco felt his back hit cold stone. I love you, Harry gasped against his mouth, and kept kissing him like the world had not just begun ending. Everything around them was eerily silent. Harry's muffled gasps against Draco's mouth echoed in the chilled air, the damp, profaned feeling of the night around them not seeming to touch Harry and his warmth. Inside and outside of Draco was warm, as he let Harry press him back, press him down, even against a gravestone. Harry leaned closer, pressing another of an endless series of hard, eager kisses to Draco's unresisting lips and then his hand hit the marble behind Draco. It must have felt too cold and mossy to be the astronomy tower because he finally pulled back. What? Draco, where are we? I don't know, Draco said, blinking dazedly, and stared at Harry's mouth before looking up. It was the graveyard Crouch had described, with a muggle church in the distance behind a yew tree, that loomed in silhouette against the sky as foreboding as any tower. There was a house somewhere in the distant hills, but the graves and the trees and the church were the only things near them in the world. The graves seemed to rise from the earth only as Draco looked at them each for the first time, ascending into the waiting mist like dark creatures gathering to encircle. He grabbed Harry's shoulders, preventing him from leaving. Harry, I don't know. I don't think. We shouldn't. He couldn't think, as the warmth in his mind seemed to give way to the sentinels of the gravestones judging them. Harry drew his wand, stepping between Draco and the rest of the world. Don't worry, Draco. I'll protect you. Did that... did that feel like a porky to you? Yeah, Draco said faintly, feeling as if he shouldn't admit it. But he said it, and Harry's vow almost made the gold haze come back until he slipped, stepping away from the gravestone. He cried out when he grabbed it and saw the letters before him in the moonlight. Tom Riddle. Draco, Harry said, pulling him up, and suddenly Draco had the feeling someone was watching them. He could see Luna's boggart from this morning in his mind's eye, climbing out of the grave to drag Harry down into it with him. Someone's coming. Harry snapped and drew his wand. Draw your wand, Draco. But Draco didn't, 
staring at the silhouette. It was a short, stout one, with something in its arms, flanked dimly by the night mist, the negative of the figure Harry had struck emerging from the maze bathed in gold. This figure made the dread in the air deepen, like a screw being turned with each inexorable step. Harry's wand raised it to seem only right, but Draco couldn't. I, I didn't bring my wand, Draco lied, though if Harry had looked down he could have seen the bend of the talon wand in his pocket. Harry, give it to me. What, why? Harry asked and looked between Draco and the figure in fear, but none of the freezing that Draco tended to have around danger. Even this far past midnight, he was still alert and ready to face any threat, unless he handed his wand over willingly. Harry, I'm the better duelist, Draco insisted, and then with more urgency, and I know how to appropriate. Come on, I can get us out of here, wherever we are. Harry pressed his wand into Draco's hand. Okay, come on, Draco, do it, let's go. And the ghost of the thought of doing so passed his mind, before the package in the arms of the figure passed under a beam of moonlight, and it became visible. It was something like a baby, a baby carried by a man in the hooded robes of a Death Eater. Obey every order from a Death Eater or the Dark Lord. The voice in his head reminded him of that, at the repulsive sight of Wormtail, short and homely. His once full frame was more sunken and unhealthy-looking and diminutive than ever, bearing hideous cargo in his arms. Harry! Draco gasped, and the thought to apparate came from the back of his mind, like a fleeting prayer. But Harry was no longer in his reach. He had crumpled to the ground, screaming at the top of his lungs in agony. His fingers groped, dazed at his own scar, clutching at it, like Ron had described in the dream of Voldemort during divination. The presence of the enemy had come upon them. For the stupidest moment of Draco's life, he wondered if Voldemort was on the back of Wormtail's head. Malfoy! Wormtail gasped in fear. Draco Malfoy! And raised his wand. But Draco got down on his own knees before Wormtail, laying down his wand. Obey every order from a Death Eater or the Dark Lord. Tell them you brought Potter to them. I am at your service, Mr. Pettigrew, Draco told him. Tell me how we will proceed. A high, cold voice came from the bundle in Wormtail's arms. This is Lucius's son! I have brought the Potter Boy, Draco said, as an offering, and remained on his knees. The high voice began to laugh shrilly. Then show me my offering, boy, he commanded. And Draco rose from his feet and hauled a dazed Harry up from his knees. Harry's eyes went not to the man or the earring laughing voice before him, but to Draco's face beside him. Draco. Draco, for who he had walked through fire from trusting so much. Draco. He said blankly, huge, beautiful green eyes still not so much as suspecting betrayal. Put him on the grave, the high voice ordered, and help Wormtail tie him to it. 
Incarcerous? Draco cast with the talon wand. The cords shot out and secured Harry all around, wrists, ankles, middle and neck, just like he had learned from Sirius. Harry focused on him then, eyes for nothing but Draco, even when he heard the name Wormtail, until Wormtail pushed Draco aside and finished securing the bonds himself. You! Harry gasped and then looked between them with a start. It's Wormtail, Draco, help me. He began to struggle and Wormtail struck him across the face with a grubby four-fingered hand. It did not seem right for anyone to strike that innocent face, let alone such scum, but Wormtail was a Death Eater and Draco had to obey him. It was the right thing to do. Wormtail set about checking the tightness of the ropes by hand. With an impatient sigh, Draco flicked Harry's wand and tightened them magically. He can't move now. Draco said, try him, and Harry let out a scream. You, Draco, Draco, you, he stammered, the horrible understanding threatening his face. Draco, you, you, why are you helping me? It's Wormtail. Draco, why are you tying me? I'm sorry, Harry, Draco said blankly. I have to obey him. What? Harry screamed, thrashing in his bonds. No, Draco, what are you doing? You're not like this, you're not on their side. Please, please say you're not Draco. Silence him, said Wormtail, with a glance that showed he had not forgotten Draco's attempt to kill him. But with an effortless wave of his wand, Draco extended one of the ropes to slide across Harry's face and gag him in a monstrous parody of a caress. Once Harry was secured, Wormtail turned down towards the bundle on the ground, which was moving, looking unhappy to have been discarded. The high, hissing voice from it cooed out, Young Malfoy, your name is Draco. Yes, Draco said. Without knowing why, his steps took him closer to the bundle, only for something to hiss closer to his feet. It was Nagini and Draco screamed at the top of his lungs, jumping back. Harry's wand was shoved quickly in his pocket. He brandished the Talon wand, his mind filled with nothing but panicked repetitions of Nagini's name. But Nagini was not lunging for Draco, nor pouncing on any other creature to devour. She was just circling the foot of Riddle's gravestone where Harry was secured. Draco held his wand pointed at Nagini, staring with a paralysis overwhelming him, turning every bone in his body one by one to lead. Calm down, Wormtail snapped, slimy eyes going between Draco and the bundle. It's the Dark Lord Snake. She would never disobey him. She is a faithful creature. Nagini. The bundle cooed, and Draco knew what was inside the black swaddling cloth. Get the basin. Wormtail obeyed, and Draco's hand put the wand away for him. His eyes swept around, searching, and then followed Wormtail's gaze towards a stone cauldron, large enough for almost anything to be sacrificed in its ritual. If they had needed to put not just Harry's blood in it, but his body in whole, to make the Naufragium, he and Luna could have managed with that cauldron. 
Draco stared down at it, uncomprehending as his arms pushed the heavy thing over the ground, making its slow way over the filthy wet earth. He hoped that Harry would not be ending up in that cauldron, though he would be, if Wormtail and Voldemort said he should. You're a steady hand in a potion, Malfoy, Wormtail said, with the knowledge of a rat who had spent two and a half years watching his owner get help at cramming for potions exams. Follow my instructions, we must not fail at the ritual. Oh, another surprise blood magic ritual, in another graveyard no less. These things did seem bound to just happen to him. Incendio, Draco cast, setting a fire beneath the cauldron, which already had the other ingredients prepared. He watched it, wand poised, and made the flame go hotter and colder to accommodate what Wormtail told him was meant to be a quick boil. After so many extra sessions with his godfather, he could make these small adjustments in his sleep. He already knew that Harry's blood would be an ingredient in this, just like the Nalfragium and Wormtail's hand, maybe. He didn't know where that idea had come from, or what was going on in his head. The only voices that made any sense were those of Wormtail and Voldemort telling him what to do. Without those to guide his actions, the golden haze buoying him up would drop, and he would plummet down into the graves. "'Is it supposed to have this consistency?' Draco asked, once it began to gain a scintillating diamond quality on its surface. "'The moonlight is catching on it. I've read of some potions where that sheen is a signature of successful completion.' Harry's eyes caught his attention the only part of Harry that could still move or attempt communication. There was betrayal in them, but Draco didn't want to look, didn't want to see it. He ignored those death-green eyes and focused on his duty. It is ready, master, said Wormtail. Now, said the voice of Voldemort, and Wormtail let Voldemort out of his little bundle. Draco was forced to look at Harry then, by the muffled sound of that scream drew from him. He followed Harry's gaze and could understand why he had screamed. It looked like the Dark Lord Draco remembered from the manor, but small, more hideous and malformed than even the noseless monster from the Blue Loop. Instead of pearly white, its flesh was a dark red, but not the elegant, smooth, pomegranate colour of Naufragium. It was the ugliest kind of wound like hard red clay pulled from tainted earth. It was more like a house-elf than human, but with none of the cuteness, with the thin, weak, spindly arms and legs reptilian. Instead of huge, floating, earnest marble eyes, there were a red, snake's, Voldemort's eyes. It was monstrous how different this thing had become from Luna's boggart. Draco wanted to scream and found he could not even do that. It was like he had snuck his way into the deepest, foulest depths of someone's soul and pried out the nastiest bit of ugliness hidden there, made flesh in the abomination that remained of what had once been the handsomest boy Draco had ever seen other than Harry Potter. Luna had once said Riddle and Harry Potter looked alike. Wormtail looked just as repulsed as Draco, though he should be used to the thing. He couldn't keep it off his face as he carried his nightmare cargo to the boiling cauldron. 
looked more frightened of it too than he had ever been of Sirius. The thought of what Wormtail had done to Uncle Sirius made a voice in Draco's head say no, weak and indistinct. Draco fell to a heap on the ground, staring with complete impotence as Wormtail lowered Voldemort into the potion Draco had heated for him. I'm Sirius Black's nephew, and I'm helping the man who stole his life from him. I'm Severus Snape's godson, and I'm helping the man and the snake who are going to murder him. This is Harry Potter. I'm leading to be bled for these demons when Harry is the one that I... that I... Voldemort's body disappeared underneath the diamond surface of the potion, and Draco began to laugh hysterically at the sight of the malformed red shape disintegrating inside. It looked like the witch's ganglion put into the tincture mixture for the naufragium. If only the ganglion had dissolved half so quickly, Draco's arm wouldn't have hurt so much from stirring. Draco didn't know what was going on in his head, as the bliss was gold and yet as rotten a clay red as in the cauldron, self split in two as he laughed. Harry's eyes trained not on the abomination below, but the laughing Malfoy, face racked even now in not hatred but doubt. Stop laughing, Wormtail snapped, and the laugh died in Draco's throat like some kind of langlock. Draco had never witnessed anyone perform a dark ritual with less gravitas. He remembered Luna's prayer to Hecate, but stayed silent as told as Wormtail raised his wand and called out, Bone of the father, unknowingly given, you will renew your son. Draco had to leap out of the way as the grave moved. For a terrified moment, Draco thought something was about to climb out of the earth beneath him, just as envisioned, swallow him, as a voice somewhere said he deserved, and the dead that were rising were not coming for Draco. It was fine dust from the earth, dust from the bones, that simmered up like snow falling in reverse, and floated, hypnotised to the surface of the cauldron towards the red pulp. Draco climbed to his hands and knees, thinking of Periander's ritual with Maledictum's corpse. It was like that in reverse, except something more evil, with that bright electric venom blue the liquid took on, the colour of a half a dozen species of poisonous snakes. Here came the one Draco had been looking forward to in every part of his head, the consolation. A whimpering wormtail pulled out a dagger, far less impressive than Periander's moonstone one, and could only stutter out the words, Flesh of the servant w w willingly given you, you will re revive your master. Draco was grateful from that wording that Wormtail hadn't elected to try and use Draco instead, but maybe the willing part would have been too much of a stretch. It seemed too much for Wormtail too, as only fear seemed to be moving this least Gryffindor of them all. Draco could not believe Neville had compared himself unworthy of that name, compared to this cringing half-human creature, who sliced off his own hand at the wrist with an agonised cry, not out of courage, but out of rank cowardice, for what awaited him should he not complete the mutilation. Draco saw Harry close his eyes and try not to see. He was still so innocent it burned at Draco's insides, 
burned like the vivid red of the cauldron, the same red that appeared in the deepest, densest parts of fiendfire. Draco didn't want to look either, but he had to understand. And Harry looked too soon enough, as Wormtail climbed back up to the grave with surprising strength, before sagging back with a pained grab at his new stump. Draco, Draco, take this knife! Cut him, Draco! Cut him for me, his blood in the cauldron! Harry screamed something inaudible through the gag, but Draco took the knife from Wormtail's hand and then a vial before approaching Harry. Draco had taken blood willingly from Harry once, but Harry struggled with everything in him now. It was useless, of course. It wasn't necessary, but to be sure he didn't cut any more than he had to. He raised his wand and tightened the ropes infinitesimally more. Then he took Harry's hand. For a second, he couldn't help but trace his fingers over it, the fingertips sliding together like they had so many times, the hand that had just grasped at his waist with such hunger. Now it was shaking, helplessly beneath Draco's touch. Draco didn't want to do it, but he did, and the gold-warm calm rewarded him swimming back once he had sliced Harry's palm and dripped the blood into the vial. As he cut... Wormtail recited, Blood of the enemy, forcibly taken, you will resurrect your foe. Draco climbed down, not looking back, and handed Wormtail the vial and the knife back. Wormtail poured the vial into the cauldron, which turned a brilliant white. There it was, the pearly white of the serpentine man-sized form that Draco had been expecting, that he pictured the red pulp morphing into but he didn't have the chance to watch. As Wormtail had fallen beside the cauldron, he was holding his stump, as if that could cure it, and called out, Malfoy, help me, the pain! And so, as the potion sparked and exploded in whiteness before them, before going still, Draco was crouched down with Wormtail, trying to figure out a healing spell to solve a severed hand. No! Wormtail whimpered. Do not heal it, boy, only the pain, the pain is too much. You're disgusting, Draco said flatly, and Wormtail's beady eyes flared in agonised rage. We're no different, he said, and behind them steam filled the air, a white mist cold as Dementors. No, it was colder. And Wormtail was turning to stare with nothing but horror on his face for what he had done, as Voldemort climbed out from the cauldron. He was thinner than Draco remembered, a mere skeleton, a house-elf mated with Nagini and bleached albino white nose gone, only slits in its place, voice high and still colder than Dementals as he ordered Wormtail to robe him. Wormtail did this with his one good hand, having gotten nothing out of Draco to help with the pain. Good, said a weak voice in Draco, though most of him was cringing at his inability to obey a Death Eater like he knew he was supposed to. But it was good to see Wormtail suffer. He wanted the whole world to suffer, for whatever this was, whatever was left of Draco, before he could climb down gratefully under the ground where it would be warm. Harry made a muffled sound. Draco could see him staring at the Dark Lord returned, the man who had killed Harry's parents, 
who had put that scar on his forehead, the scar Draco had affectionately poked so many times. It had to be burning again, but he wasn't crying, wasn't cringing. Behind his gag, he didn't look afraid, just angry. Draco had never seen anything so brave. When it was all done, Draco hoped Harry would be the one to kill him for this. Voldemort was as revolting a thing to behold as always, a monster that Draco had dreamed of never having to see again, much less helping to make. Frankenstein. It hit him with a hysterical laugh. I am. I'm Frankenstein. I'm Dr. Frankenstein. Draco had always said it would be possible with magic, hadn't he? What was done in that muggle film the Granger showed him? Hermione's voice came through his head, calling him Frankenstein time after time, exasperated, fond, so full of love and trust, and there it was, severed limbs and blood all mixed together, grave robbing in the dead of night just like Frankenstein, and here was Frankenstein's monster. Frankenstein's monster was inspecting his skeletal scaled hands with satisfaction, but Draco's laughter turned his gaze directly to him for the first time. In the red line, that was. In the blue loop, he had not seen those red eyes train on him like that before the day he had the dark mark burned into his wrist. An awful, wet, scaly presence pressed into his mind then, just like on that day. But this time, even trying to bring them down to be obedient to his lord, his shields held. All the snake's undulation inside his head did was slide off the impervious, obsidian surface of his mind's knife. Draco Malfoy! Voldemort hissed, slithering out of his mind with Nagini slithering at the foot of the grave, around Harry as if waiting to devour. Always eager to be fed, that snake. That awful voice as a wave of Voldemort's hand sent Wormtail flying, pinned to the gravestone beside Harry. Draco, Lucius Malfoy, I have heard so very, very much about you. And Voldemort came forward to touch him. It is gratifying to have a body again. Voldemort's fingers reached out and stroked through Draco's hair. "'scales catching against Draco's cheek. "'What a hard, gleaming surface your mind wears! "'You remind me, little Malfoy, of your Aunt Bellatrix. "'Kiss my hand, pretty one!' "'Draco tried to struggle back from the command, "'but eventually his head bowed and pressed a kiss "'to the back of that bone-white hand.' He felt he might be sick. Voldemort's smirk burned into his face as he straightened up and then that smirk went lower. So like your father, and yet so unlike, Voldemort said softly, with an interest there that had never appeared in the blue loop, a look in his eyes like Tom Riddle had worn for Draco in the Chamber of Secrets. Voldemort seemed taken with Draco's long hair, awfully long fingernails curling through the pale strands. So clever and yet so yielding. How lovely to have a body and touch things of beauty again. 
Draco didn't know what Voldemort might have done then, if Wormtail's craven shriek hadn't drawn both their attention. My lord! He screamed, twice, and then more humbly when Voldemort strode over to him, Draco remaining where he stood uncertainly. My lord! Wormtail simpered repulsively. My lord, you promised, you did promise. Hold out your arm, Voldemort said lazily. Draco remembered the silver hand Wormtail had gotten for himself, the silver hand they had found him strangled by in the manor's cellars after Harry's brief confinement there. He remembered wondering why, even back then, if Wormtail had to turn traitor, he couldn't have done it far sooner. One could hardly see why Wormtail would not have turned sooner than he had, however much a coward he was, with the way Voldemort mocked his mutilation. Oh, master, thank you, master, he whined, holding out his stump, but it didn't seem like Voldemort to waste time in his own triumph in order to help so low a creature, and Voldemort just let out a shrill, mocking laugh. The other arm! The dark mark. Draco should have known. He glanced reflexively towards his own left forearm before remembering he didn't have one. Not, not yet. Master, please, please! Voldemort got out Wormtail's dark mark, which he showed far more interest in than Wormtail's sobs. It is back, Voldemort said softly. They will all have noticed it, and now we shall see... Now we shall know. Severus had shown Draco's his, but not this recently. It had not looked nearly as lurid and grotesque as Wormtail's, although that might have something to do with the owner. But Voldemort stopped before using the mark to summon his followers as Draco had expected. Instead, he turned to train his gaze on Draco again, red eyes seeking once again their way behind his shield and leaving only slime along the blade. Draco Malfoy, Voldemort said again, and Draco had hoped he would never again have to hear that hissing, freakish voice pronounce those syllables. The fingers of that awful, slimy, pebble-jointed hand snaked along to take Draco's chin, tilting it upwards towards him as he licked his lips with his forked tongue. I have been told by my faithful servant. His eyes dropped to Wormtail contemptuously, before returning to Draco with that same awful hunger. That you are a blood traitor, a friend to Mudblood, to Harry Potter, and yet you assisted. You delivered the boy to me, and you are so perfectly respectful. Why? I am loyal to Death Eaters, Draco said, the answer forced out of him. I am loyal to you, my lord. I follow your orders. Oh, but you fear me, do you not? Voldemort purred. Well, you should, little one. Were you not your father's son, I would have ordered you killed as the spare. Had you struck dead where you stood but, 
you may serve more use for me yet. Oh, we shall see. He pulled away and pressed his long white forefinger to Wormtail's dark mark. Harry convulsed behind them, but with him gagged, Wormtail was the only one screaming. Draco could see on Voldemort's face that he enjoyed the power, to once again be the one directly causing someone to scream. Voldemort surveyed his father's graveyard like a newly found kingdom. How many will be brave enough to return when they feel it? he whispered, and Draco thought of his own father with a flash of new terror, not sure whether he was more frightened for him to come or not. And how many will be foolish enough to stay away? Who would Draco watch die first, Harry or father? Voldemort began to pace, as if he too was not immune to that common human anxiety about whether anyone would show up when he threw a party. Draco watched him mutely, only to tense when Voldemort's pacing landed him close to Harry. He stood there smirking sadistically in his face, as if determined the boy who lived understand his defeat and suffer the full pain of it before Voldemort ended. You stand, Harry Potter, upon the remains of my late father, Voldemort hissed, with Draco approaching cautiously, straining to hear. A muggle and a fool, very like your dear mother. But they both had their uses, did they not? Your mother died to defend you as a child, and I killed my father. And see how useful he has proved himself in death. If Harry's wand hadn't been in Draco's pocket, Draco was sure Harry would have given Voldemort cause to regret speaking of his mother. But he couldn't even say anything back. Draco had gagged him too well. Voldemort began to reminisce as they waited, Nagini following him about like a charmed snake. For a mad moment... Draco imagined if Harry were free to speak, he could order Nagini to attack Voldemort, but Draco was not on Harry's side any more. Everything would be better if he could just stop thinking, except... Harry wasn't paying attention to Voldemort's monologuing. Instead, his gaze had strayed back to Draco, with huge, mournful eyes full of only one question. Why? Oh, Harry Potter, have I failed to capture your interest? You look so betrayed, not by me, but by your former friend. Voldemort did sound more like Tom Riddle in the Chamber of Secrets as he laughed in the face of Harry's devastation. What is it you find so fascinating about the son of a mediocre man like Lucius Malfoy? Lucius served me well, when serving was convenient, and abandoned me just as quickly, telling tales of the imperious curse. Is his son truly cut of a different cloth for the Harry Potter to be so wounded by his abandonment? Voldemort turned his gaze to Draco, his perusal given new bite by his awareness that Draco meant something to Harry. Amuse me, little one. Answer my questions, Draco. Your full name is Draco Lucius Malfoy. Draco nodded. And you are fifteen? Yes, my lord. 
And you are the one who brought Harry Potter to me. Yes, my lord. And where is the boy's wand? I have it, my lord. Give it to me, said Voldemort. And Draco handed it over. He suppressed a shiver as his palm brushed that. How did you get his wand? He gave it to me. Draco answered, the words coming out more blankly each time. And why? Voldemort said, sadism looking better satisfied by the details of this betrayal inflicted on his enemy. Would the boy who lived have done that? Because I asked him to. And then there were cracks in the air, popping sounds from all about, as the call of the Dark Lord bore its fruit. Stand at my side, little one, Voldemort said calmly. Draco stared out bleakly at the sea of hooded, masked wizards, reflecting how, in the blue loop, he had gotten one of those hooded robes, but never actually a mask. The easiest figure to pick out, despite being masked, was the stooped elderly figure of Theo's father, Cantankerous Knot, and near him, Draco could also immediately pick out the figure of father, whose mask had remained in Malfoy Manor unused for so many years. It had been kept in father's room, in the back of his closet, years before the Dark Lord had ever returned. Draco had bullied one of the house elves into showing it to him when he was eight or nine. He'd run around in front of the mirrors, trying it on, playing at being the Dark Wizard. He remembered leaving a small tear near one of the narrow holes at the eye of Father's. It made it easy to recognise it even before now, before Father fell to his knees crawling on the dirty ground and kissed the disgusting hem of those disgusting robes. When Draco liked to call Father Voldemort's pre-eminent bootlicker in his mind, he had never thought of the expression so literally. The stares of disbelief were not just for the Dark Lord. Many were for Harry Potter and Wormtail, famous and famously dead and gone, and then for the one person in the graveyard not dressed in flowing black robes, whose bright hair made him unmistakable as a Malfoy. Draco, father said as he got up, voice coming out of that mask in pure horror. Draco couldn't tell if it was fear for Draco that he might be hurt by the Dark Lord, or fear of him that his willful son might jeopardise everything. But whatever his fear, it didn't keep him from whispering master to Voldemort in some perverse mockery of worship, before he seemed to sense him tiring of his obeisance and scrambled into place in the circle of Death Eaters forming around the grave. It wasn't everyone, not by a long shot. Compared to the numbers that would come and go at the manor, it was a paltry showing. Trico didn't think Severus was amongst them, not yet. Severus would have to discuss with Dumbledore whether he should go, before eventually deciding he should go over and become a spy again. If they asked Draco if Severus was loyal, he would have to tell them the truth. If he could just be silent and obey, and maybe he wouldn't have to say... Maybe he wouldn't even have to hurt Harry again. Welcome, Death Eaters, said Voldemort quietly. Thirteen years, thirteen years since we last met, yet you still answer my call as though it was yesterday. We are still united under the dark mark, or are we? 
One of the worst things about the albino was the infernal penchant for campy dramatics. He sniffed the air, saying, I smell guilt. There is a stench of guilt upon the air. And some part of Draco's mind, from the security of lack of choice, reflected that if he was the Dark Lord rising in this graveyard, he would have come up with much better lines. Again, he remembered Luna's prayer to Hecate. There was no comparison, even if the potion hadn't worked in the end. It made the Death Eaters afraid, though, because the fear of death was what really filled the air. Guilt was nowhere. Shame, perhaps, as much towards themselves as Voldemort, for having come running right back to a man who no longer deserved the name. A man who this belated, incomplete show of loyalty towards could prove to have been such a miscalculation. A man who was using Harry Bloody Potter as a prop in his one-man graveyard show. I see you all, whole and healthy with your powers intact. Such prompt appearances. And I ask myself, why did this band of wizards never come to the aid of their master, to whom they swore eternal loyalty? At least these idiots had the intelligence not to answer what was clearly a rhetorical question. Given the state of the one faithful member of their lot, Wormtail, who was carrying on his less eloquent but rather more effective rival one-man show, rolling about in that inexhaustible agony of his, it was self-evident why none of them had rushed back to staking their lives on Snake Boy. And I answer myself, they must have believed me broken. They thought I was gone. They slipped back among my enemies and they pleaded innocence and ignorance and bewitchment. That last part was for father, among others. The masked figure that Draco knew was him managed to avoid visibly flinching. But his shame radiated out then and that was a smell. And then I ask myself, how could they have believed I would not rise again? They, who knew the steps I took long ago to guard myself against mortal death. They, who had seen proofs of the immensity of my power in the times when I was mightier than any wizard living. And I answer myself, perhaps they believed a still greater power could exist, one that could vanquish even Lord Voldemort. Perhaps now they pay allegiance to another, perhaps that champion of commoners, of mudbloods and muggles, Albus Dumbledore. Voldemort really did hate Dumbledore. Draco remembered the reaction of Tom Riddle to that name back in the Chamber of Secrets, especially when Harry said that Dumbledore was more powerful than him, and even now Draco thought Dumbledore was. Draco had said once that he was more afraid of Dumbledore than Voldemort, and he found inside himself that was still true. The Death Eaters once again had the good sense to react as they should, this time with the obligatory show of disapproval and head-shaking, like some planned call and response. It is a disappointment to me. I confess myself disappointed. Some extra-special idiot had the bright idea to try and draw some attention to himself. Draco didn't recognise him as he threw himself to Voldemort's feet. If he were going to do that, Father had at least been smart enough to do it right at the start rather than at a prime making an example of you juncture, and began to beg mercy. Master, master, forgive me, forgive us all! Voldemort laughed, lifted his wand, 
and called out with a voice that sounded like it had waited with bated breath each and every day without a body, to cast this curse again. Crucio! He didn't hold it for long. It was almost disappointing. That hadn't vented nearly enough rage. There would be a lot more self-aggrandisement through senseless torture before he had his fill. Get up, Avery. Stand up. You ask for forgiveness. I do not forgive. I do not forget. Thirteen long years. I want thirteen years repayment before I forgive you. Wormtail has already paid some of his debt, have you not, Wormtail? Some of his debt? Bloody hell, a voice like Ron asked in Draco's head. What more did he want the man to chop off for him? You returned to me, not out of loyalty, but out of fear of your old friends. You deserve this pain, Wormtail. You know that, don't you? Yes, Master, please. Master, please. Wormtail was moaning and writhing. To the point it was a miracle he hadn't passed out already from the pain. If Draco was him, he might have just cut his losses, turned to his unamagus form, and hightailed it out of their three-footed rat on the go. Yet you helped me return to my body, Voldemort said, with a tone that showed exactly how little he valued that show of loyalty. Worthless and traitorous as you help you are, you helped me, and Lord Voldemort rewards his helpers. Draco's attention drifted then as the ritual of Voldemort making Wormtail his silver hand began, with all of the ceremonial show of magic and bowing and scraping and pitifulness. No doubt, it was fascinating to the Death Eaters, but Draco knew what the end result would look like. What he didn't know the end of was Harry Potter, who was tied there almost forgotten. Draco stared at that pale, still frame, and saw those green eyes not dazed or hopeless but rational listening and registering everything going on. Those eyes had not given up. Finally, Wormtail rejoined the circle, where everyone seemed to have their ordained places, like a school classroom with assigned seats, and they had left gaps like good school children for their missing classmates. Voldemort's eyes went from Wormtail to one of those gaps, bypassing Father entirely quite a bad sign. It made Father shudder, just a tremor, for a moment, in the wand hand. The Lestranges should stand here, Voldemort said, with affection in his voice for the missing couple. The image of Aunt Bella, had it only been that morning he'd seen her boggart, seemed to fill the air ghostly, behind father, her and Uncle Rodolphus as spectral presences. But they are entombed in Azkaban. They were faithful. They went to Azkaban rather than renounce me. When Azkaban is broken open, the Lestrangers will be honoured beyond their dreams. The Dementors will join us, they are our natural allies. We will recall the banished giants. I shall have all of my devoted servants return to me, an army of creatures whom all fear. Now Draco was the one suppressing a shiver. He couldn't shake right here in the middle of the circle, in lieu of having been told to go elsewhere. Everyone would see him squirm. But... If Voldemort wanted to be menacing, he could hardly have hit more exactly on his subject. Aunt Bella and Dementors coming out from Azkaban to swallow them all up. It was a greatest hits medley from there on out. Only special mentions of the most and least deserving. 
only father and not and crab and goyle were of any particular interest to Draco. He drifted again until Voldemort arrived at the largest gap. Try as he may to tell himself not to let any panic into this distant sardonic haze, observing a farcical set of proceedings that had nothing much in the end to do with him, he could hardly not stare at a space that represented his godfather. And here we have six missing Death Eaters, three dead in my service, one too cowardly to return, he will pay, one who I believe has left me forever, he will be killed, of course. That must be my godfather. Compared to the sound of Severus's death, the thought of witnessing father die seemed inconsequential. Even a half-dead boy retained his preferences. And one who remains my most faithful servant and who has already re-entered my service. Karkaroff? Perhaps all the Death Eaters were thinking that too as they exchanged glances. More likely Crouch, though. And there was poor Father, with Wormtail on one side and empty space on the other. Father, as any rational person would, chose to look in the direction of the empty space. He is at Hogwarts, that faithful servant and it was through his efforts that our young friend arrived tonight. Yes, Harry Potter has kindly joined us for my rebirthing party. One might go so far as to call him my guest of honour. Father was looking around, having tired of verbally conversing with imaginary invisible Aunt Bella. Then Draco saw Father squaring his shoulders, with an air of gathering his composure to try and speak. Oh, no, don't, Father. Draco thought intently in his direction, willing him to realise that if Voldemort had wanted him to talk, he would have bloody well acknowledged him already. No good could come of inserting himself, and yet father did. Master, we crave to know, we beg you to tell us, how you have achieved this, this miracle, how you managed to return to us. Ah, what a story it is, Lucius, and it begins and ends with my young friend here. And you will all hear of this miracle soon. Voldemort walked lazily over to stand next to Harry, with Nagini sliding around happily at their feet, as if she could sense mealtime approaching. But, Voldemort said after a waited pause, he is not the only young man who helped me achieve a miracle this night. Draco Malfoy, come forward. Draco walked over to stand beside him, avoiding Harry's gaze and waited to be killed or tortured, preferring the idea of killing. The tableau was complicated by Voldemort crooking out a scaly finger in father's direction. Oh, and Lucius as well, my inquisitive friend. Far be it from me to stand in the way of a family reunion. Mask off, hood off. Let us all compare the father to the son and see how far the apple falls from the treacherous tree. Father's steps faltered at the word treacherous, but he walked as he was told. He took off his mask and pocketed it, then threw back his hood, revealing his long head of bright white blonde hair like a beacon in the moonlight. Harry couldn't have missed him any more than a thundering freight train. If Harry somehow escaped this, Add father to the list after Wormtail and Draco. As Death Eaters, he would have no trouble identifying. 
Oh, my slippery friend, Voldemort sighed with theatrical woundedness. I am told that you have not renounced the old ways, though to the world you present a respectable face. You are still ready to take the lead in the spot of muggle torture, I believe. Yet you never tried to find me, Lucius. Your exploits at the World Cup were fun, I dare say. But might your energies not have been better directed towards finding and aiding your master? My lord, I was constantly on the alert. Father said quickly with the same disquieting cravenness taken possession of him. The first time Draco had seen it, it had been like a stranger had possessed his fierce father's body. Now he expected no less. Had there been any sign from you, any whisper of your whereabouts, I would have been at your side immediately. Nothing could have prevented from me. And yet, you ran from my mark when a faithful Death Eater sent it into the sky last summer. Voldemort queried, toying with him at this point. Yes, I know all about that, Lucius. You have disappointed me. "'and yet you have not failed me in one thing.' "'He waited until Lucius obliged him and asked the question. "'In... in what? In what have I pleased you, my lord?' "'Your son,' Voldemort said, "'and put an arm around Draco's shoulders. "'Draco's skin wanted to crawl off his bones and go live somewhere else. "'Look at this boy before your eyes, my friends.' While you rested idle, living out your lives in forgetfulness, this pretty little traitor was luring Harry Potter to his doom. He came with Harry Potter, cut his flesh, delivered the blood, and made the potion where Wormtail was too weak. This boy is worth more than you all. None of the Death Eaters seemed to like that, exchanging glances and murmurs, it didn't portend well for many of their prospects, that was for sure. It had always been Voldemort's way, praising one only to denigrate or threaten more others. And yet look upon him. Voldemort sneered, turning from faux warmth to demental cold in the blink of an eye. Dressed like a filthy muggle, with tales he has spent his years at Hogwarts spurning your children, consorting with mudbloods and blood traitors. Lucius, what have you to say for allowing such behaviour from your progeny? It, it is as you said, my lord, father stammered, clearly trying to save his own hide as much as Draco's. He is set about befriending Harry Potter to ensnare him and gain his trust. For your sake, my lord, he suffered the company of those undesirables. He went amongst their midst. Tell them, Draco, tell them how you followed my plans to prepare for the day of our Dark Lord's return. Father was a Death Eater, and what a Death Eater said, Draco obeyed. Yes, father, yes, my lord, I pretended to be their friend. And when the time came, and I received my orders, I followed them. I lured Harry Potter here, and now I stand at your service. You see? Father exclaimed, ecstasy filling his eyes, as he believed his own lies, as if his son had finally turned out to be everything he was expected to be. Draco, 
You have brought pride, great pride, to the name of Malfoy. My clever, clever son. We will see, Voldemort said coldly. Wormtail, take the Potter boy down from the headstone. Wormtail rushed to oblige, silver hand shining in the light. Yes, smile you might at the hand I have bestowed upon you as blessing. Such blessings shall fall on you all if you remain loyal. For those disloyal, I have different gifts that await. Untie the boy! Wormtail's new hand made quick work of the ropes. When Harry scrambled up, stiff rope-burned limbs not slow in moving to try and save himself, Voldemort raised his wand and called, Crucio! Draco stepped away from the writhing body, something in his mind shorting out at the sight of Harry Potter, who he had been kissing what felt like seconds ago, who he had trained to duel, who he had loved since he was small. Harry Potter, tortured in front of a circle of sneering enemies in the dark, and his betrayed eyes when they could focus going to Draco above all others, Draco the one he still pleaded with for help. Draco, the one who owed him more than standing there like a mannequin, watching all of the hope in the world twitch like the cave spiders in the cellars of Malfoy Manor, waiting to be sliced into twitching pincers and go forever still. The Death Eaters were laughing. It drowned out Harry's rope-muffled screams. And here, Voldemort said to Draco, is your chance to show your loyalties, little one. Keep the boy in place, Wormtail. Do not let him crawl away yet to die. Wormtail slammed Harry on the head, though he was trembling from the aftershocks of Voldemort's spell. Voldemort ended it cleanly, but he shook from it, face down in the grave dirt. A voice came up in Draco saying no, over and over, no matter how much the stronger voice he wanted to listen to tried to silence it. Who are you, Draco? What side are you really on, little one? You must decide here and now. Choose the right side, the side of your blood, and you will live. Your father will live. You will kneel and you will rise with the dark mark on your pretty wrist and live cherished and honoured in my favour. Choose the side of this insignificant worm, Voldemort said, one of his ghostly bare feet prodding at Harry's matted dark hair, and die with him. What is your choice? Draco was silent, not sure what he was meant to choose, how he was supposed to answer the question of who he was, other than wishing to be dead if it meant Harry would not have to die. Voldemort waited, growing more visibly impatient, and then his red eyes widened in contemptuous amusement. Oh, Lucius, you brag of your son's loyalty. Can it be you know your own family so little? You cannot even tell when your child is under the imperious curse. No, Father breathed, looking at Draco. Tell him you're not. Father dragged Draco back from the prone body of Harry, with Voldemort and Wormtail stood there leering above it like twin gargoyles alike in ugliness. I'm not under the imperious curse, Draco said mechanically. It sounded so transparently forced then that all the Death Eaters laughed at Father Wormtail with them. 
Let's try this again, Voldemort said, twirling his wand in his hand. Go back to your father, Draco obeyed. Now answer a question for me truthfully. Have you been placed under the Imperious Curse? Yes, said Draco, and heard father let out a hard sigh beside him like he was deflating. Laughter swelled around them, a ring of rising malediction. What orders were you given? Crouch told me to use any means necessary to get Harry Potter to meet me alone with the Triwizard Cup, activate the port key, and send him to the graveyard. Crouch said to obey anything he or the Dark Lord or any Death Eaters told me. Draco recited blankly. Do you see, Lucius? Voldemort laughed. He was reaping ample rewards for this particular bit of theatre. With father's face unmasked, all of Voldemort's sadism could be fed by watching father go from false confidence to panic. One might almost believe you are ignorant in the idleness you showed in my absence, if you are this much of a fool even about your own son. Now the true test begins. Draco, I will release you from the curse and I will give you the chance to prove the Malfoy name has worth, since your father is too weak to be trusted. Do you understand? Yes, my lord, Draco said, and with a wave of Voldemort's wand, the haze over Draco's mind cleared, the imperious curse only a memory. Draco was himself again, with a smear of Harry's blood on his hands, grave dirt over his best shoes, and Theo's purple not red shirt and the necklace of the Hungarian horntail. He was standing over the crumpled body of Harry, who he had brought to his doom. The dragon had touched the stag and made him bleed. No! Draco gasped, stumbling back, but father grasped his shoulders from behind, keeping him in place. No, no, this can't be, I didn't, I didn't know. Draco Lucius Malfoy, Voldemort said coldly. It is time. Take out your wand and raise it. With a trembling hand, Draco obeyed, without any thought what he meant to do with it, only that having his wand out felt like a good idea. He felt the power of the Talon wand surge through him at the touch, his one consolation as memory flooded back into him, the guilt that oppressed him enough to make him want to point his wand at his own throat and speak the fatal words he had promised Severus he would never say. But there were other words he was being told. Good. Still obedient, then. Very well. Wormtail, get the Potter boy up on his knees. Take out the gag. Let Draco hear his screams. Wormtail ungagged Harry, and Harry was immediately gasping too much to say anything, because when Draco had gagged him he had tightened the ropes too much. He had been the one to do this to Harry, him, and no one else. He was the only one who could have done it. He had been the one to stop the plot, and he had been the one to finish it, and now Voldemort wanted him to. Have you ever cast the Cruciatus curse? Voldemort asked, and father answered for him. Yes, my lord, he has. He knows all kinds of dark magic. He's very powerful already. Show us, then, Voldemort said lazily. Wormtail knotted his gleaming silver hand in Harry's dark hair and tugged his head backwards. 
so his breathless face was on display for all of them. Those green eyes were indescribably beautiful in their unending defiance, looking at nothing and no one but Draco, surrounded by decay and filth and death and darkness, and nothing but the most brilliant green of oceans under the moonlight. Forsaken by all the world, forsaken even by Draco, it seemed the moon, at least, was still in love with Harry Potter. Cast Cruciatus on him! Voldemort demanded. Wormtail stepped out of the way at that, father seizing Draco's shoulder to hiss, Do it! in his ear. Draco shook father off without looking at him, staring not at Voldemort but Harry. Do it now! Voldemort insisted, high, shrill, evil noise never more perverted with glee. Show me! Show me who you are! Yes, Draco heard himself say. He imagined every dam of the Talon Wand coming down in turn, every wall around its power crumbling down until there was nothing but fire in that twisted shape, nothing but dragon fire in his veins. He closed his eyes, the graveyard dropping away, the guilt with it, the murmurs and laughter and whispers of fear, his father's terror, Voldemort's voice. There was nothing there when he opened his eyes, but Harry, kneeling there, still trying to breathe, waiting for Draco to make his choice. And he could, he could choose now. Yes, I'll show you who I am. Avada Kedavra! He turned towards Voldemort before he cast, and the green light shot out of his wand, a great emerald burst of it, in the most perfect of déjà vu there in the darkness, flashing out to murder a snake. The green light never reached Voldemort. He stepped aside or dodged or flicked his wand and moved a face in front of his, Harry too low to the ground to be used. But Wormtail, Wormtail was there right beside him. Draco would never know which one it had been and Wormtail never saw it coming. Peter Pettigrew and his shiny new silver hand were thrown into the air. Green light went to the brightest fire white at its centre as that rodent face had its beady eyes blown out wide in surprise and forever frozen that way. He crumpled to the ground like a rag doll, a marionette with all its strings cut by the green mist that engulfed him and swallowed him whole like the deepest of dragon fire. And then his body lay dead beside Harry Potter. Thank you for listening to this chapter of Draco Malfoy and the Wheel of Hecate, part four of the Mirror of Isidaru series by Star Bridget.